young bloke called Anthony who came up to me at Brewers and Chewers and said, mate, really, really enjoying it. It's, it's, it's just terrific. And I said, oh, mate, thanks for that. Yeah, look, Brewers and Chewers is something that uh, we've been doing every year for Good Beer Week. And he goes, no, 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 I meant the podcast. <laughs> With great thanks to Cryer Malt, a grain of truth in every podcast and in every beer. This is Good Brews Week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and joining me, as he often does, it's Matt Kierkegaard from our Brisbane studios. G'day, Matt. Good morning, Pete. I'm actually uh, in the Brews News office um, today, which I normally don't record from, so hopefully the audio quality is, uh, you know, dulcet. Dulcetivity is way up there. That's it's good. peaking almost. So we, I'm actually bringing things down just a little bit because we are in between Gabs's. We are just post Good Beer Week. And it's fair to say if we had tried to record this Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday, I would have been far croakier than I am at the moment. And I've spent the last three days just doing emails and reading books so that I don't have to speak to recover the voice. But uh, I, I, I know what you mean. And I think anyone, we are about to dump a bucket load of content um, in, in the channel. Again, all of the feedback that we get from listeners is, um, you know, they just wade through what they want to listen to. So rather than put it in a separate channel or something like that, it is just there. It's like a VCR. You, or it's like Netflix for beer audio. Um, so you can just pick and choose what you want to. But we've got some awesome sessions from the, the Trade Hub and also from Gabs. But I, I, I'll, I'll warn listeners that the audio from Gabs won't be up to our current uh, dulcetivity. <laughs> anyway, anyone who went to Gabs will will know exactly without us saying anything. In fact, let's drop the first couple of episodes uh, and snippets and chats that we that you did uh, while I was busy hosting Craft College, proudly supported by Mornington Peninsula Brewery. Uh, it was <laughs> uh, it's interesting to say the least. So, but I but I think anyone who went to Gabs will understand and will be able to identify the random. Um, but continuous noises that plagued the recording <laughs> in, the, in the in the radio brews news session. Uh, but for those who weren't lucky enough to get to the Cryer Malt Trade Hub at uh, at Beer Deluxe in the newly renovated Beer Deluxe, I'm going to give a shout out to um, to Trent and to Georgia and bugger me if I can't remember the um, the other young fellow's name with the English accent. Uh, but the three uh, crew basically from Beer Deluxe, uh, ably supported and and looked after by uh, the very capable Jason Summers. Jason Summers, yep. Uh, but the, the crew there at Beer Deluxe, they were getting used to, I think, the new digs themselves. Uh, what did you think of it, Matt? I, I thought it was just a, a real – it's the first time, I think, that that space above Beer Deluxe, the upstairs, if you like, at Beer Deluxe, that has been in, in past, it's been uh, a, a fine dining restaurant, it's been uh, you know a function space, it's been a burger bar, it's been a small uh, bar with, the, with you know copied taps from downstairs – now I think they've really activated it really well, uh, just dedicated it to an out- hop and beer garden, I think they describe it as. So there's a, an indoor slash outdoor area, there's an indoor area, glass looking over the um, the forecourt of Beer Deluxe, and I, they've done really, really well. Yeah, no, look, I, I agree with you, Prof. It's, it's a great venue, and it's a great facility. When you look at some of the panels, and the panels that listeners are going to be able to hear over the... Um, actually, we're going to drop the trade panels in one go, so you can listen to what you want. We had a great one with uh, Pete Boots talking about Know Your Worth, ours on recalls. Uh, there, there, yep. Those who heard this week's Beer as a Conversation, there was a discussion from the IBA that we uh, took offline and did separately with Jamie to dig a little bit deeper. Um, yep. Labelling and marketing. Labelling and marketing, but re- really good content, and I think it's a really valuable platform for the industry to have these these conversations um so yes yeah, so it, was, it was it was great gabs on the other hand we we need to refine our processes there a little bit um having the the, the, the bruise new studio looked awesome for those who weren't there it was uh, basically a lot of uh, beautifully printed vinyl that made it look like a recording studio but we've realized now that what we need to do is actually put in soundproofing a soundproof a, a real studio and to make it a, an actual studio because uh it's fair to say that Gabs has gone. Uh, every time you think, no, you know what, that's that's about as as big as it can get, and it's about as innovative and as interesting. Somehow, um, between the team of of Steve and Guy, 
uh, Ruta and Craig, they're just they just seem to come up with with something else, and it's all about engaging the best people. Um, Malia Walsh, who uh, many would remember from previous Gabs as the top tier of, um, she was the one who stood on the shoulders of the guy who stood on the shoulders of the guy who stood on the stage to Thunderstruck. Um, and Malia has recently had her second bub, and uh, she's now taken on the role of um, talent coordinator for all the, the, the circus and roving performer type acts. Um, and it's those sorts of things, getting the right people to get the right people that just makes Gabs just uh, – it's it's a heap of stuff going on and in the background there's a beer festival. Yeah, and, but it, it, it's noisy, it's energetic, and, uh, yeah, so it's not really conducive to, to audio and you'll hear my voice absolutely struggling. Um, we did have some amazing, really, really good chats um, with uh, people. Sam Fuss had a really good chat with uh, Richard Watkins and Brendan Varis. <laughs> I was a little bit worried could go anywhere, but it was a you know, <laughs> uh, terrific chat. We the, the first one we'll probably drop is the chat I had with um, Lincoln Kelly and Andrew Higginbotham from uh, Keg Services and Keg Star, respectively, looking at the changes for um, kegs, uh, you know, from one July with the uh, excise changes. Um, yeah, but the yes. change in package size or keg size. Yeah, I, I, I did have one interview that was recorded that I got a uh, email from the following day. The interviewee asking that perhaps it not go out because he was already one and a half sessions deep um, at that stage, and he was probably not at his best. Um, which yeah was probably quite fair. So uh, I, I won't <laughs> I won't call that person out. But no, no, no. So we protect the, protect the innocent. Terrific, yeah, terrific content. Um, listen to it for the content, not necessarily the uh, ambient audio quality. Um, you will get a real sense of the feel um, of Gabs, um, but yeah, hopefully the uh, Joe can polish that, and make it um, you know listen listenable because the, the the content is great. The giant Jenga, the basketball court, and the speaker directly uh, above the studio probably weren't conducive to to the quality of the audio. But anyway, um, onwards and upwards, and it was a, a great um, activation. Yeah, well, I was going to offer some prizes to anyone who could identify the various sounds, but since you've just oh, given them away, no, no. how about we just go straight into the headlines? And Matt, starting off this week, making news. Uh, Grimberg and Monks are brewing beer again, and it's uh, a 10.8% ABV. Gee, I don't want to say it's boozy, uh, but um, <laughs> <laughs> and we'd uh, uh, Lee from Ekebin, one of our regulars, um, yeah. Sent, the, sent this through on uh, on email, and thank you very much to all our listeners who are um, who've come up and said hello to those who have um, dropped in onto the Facebook group and identified various stories for us. Thank you very much for that. Uh, but this one, yeah, the first time that the Abbey has brewed beer since it was ransacked by the French in 1795. <laughs> yeah, and look, just on that, you know, thank, I, I thank Lee and I thank everyone in the, the, the Facebook room. We won't sort of go on too much about the, the Facebook group, but thank you to everyone that has posted these stories because apart from... You know, I, I think I wake up every morning to 30 different emails um, that are news summaries from around the world, and you see some of these, and you're no, never quite sure what is has news value and interest and, and what doesn't. And this was one I saw and thought, actually, you know, that's interesting. I'll dig into it. I was in Devonport yesterday doing a maltings tour, and I couldn't really look at it. But sure enough, it was on news around the world. And also, uh, you know, I got a phone call from the ABC World Today wanting comment on it. I just didn't have time to, you know, I don't like to just sort of speak off the cuff, um, particularly on proper radio. I'm quite happy to do it here, um, but on proper radio. And so this this was one of those stories that um, when we see members of our uh, Facebook group paste them um, into, into it, it really gives us a sense of what people are interested in um, and helps us filter out. So thank you, thank you to Lee. But yeah, in terms of the story, Prof, Look, it's an interesting one, and my um, cynicism filter jumped straight up um, the moment I heard it, which is why I wanted to dig a little bit deeper into it. So Grimbergen um, is a monastery, but then you to, to be a Trappist beer um, or a monastic beer, you have to be brewed within the walls of the um, monastery. Um, the monks have to be involved, and all proceeds... Um, have to go to charitable endeavours, um, so I can't. Yeah, no, there, there are there are two separate. So there's Trappist, which is all of that brewed within the monastery, and then beers under the Abbey label, which have are under similar license. things. But yeah, a, no, a, a, a I, 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 I don't think the Abbey beers have to be. They just pay a license to the Abbey or to the yeah to the the, the monastery. But, yeah. you know, but they can be brewed by lay people. They can be brewed at, at, at exactly other, yeah. other facilities and that sort of thing under the name of 
but but not Trappist. There but it's, 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 it's in that sense, like Leffa um, is is an Abbey beer, but it's a little bit like uh, um, Furphy in that they've licensed the name of the brewery, but the um, yeah. Now, and this is the interesting thing, Matt. So I remember drinking Grimbergen for for many years. So I was surprised that this was the first beer. So it's it's actually it's the first been produced by seventeen ninety five. Well, no, but it has. It's the first one that they've made under the um, monastic tradition. Um, so they've licensed it to Carlsberg, I think it is, because I remember having it on a train uh-huh, okay. um, yeah. speeding through you know France. Um, yep. And thinking, how good is this? You know, I don't care. Like, if I can get beers like this on a train, I don't care that it's, you know, like a Leffer or something like that because they're still great beers. The thing about this for me is that um, when you read the story, um, you know, the Abbey was founded in 1128, you know, and this is pretty much the James Squire of um, Abbey beers. So they've been licensing the name. They're now installing a small brewery um, in, in it but only a small portion of the beers that you and I are ever going to get to try are going to be made, if we ever get to try it. And I'm trying to think, there are a couple of different stories, but when I read the story, uh, Mark, an expert at Carlsberg, who will be the project's brewmaster, said the 10,000 hectolitre per year facility. So what's that? That's uh, 1 million litres? 10 heck. Yeah. 10 heck is 1 million litres? Well, yeah, it depends on how hard they're squeezing it, but yeah, I think that's around about. If, yeah. Well, no, it's saying it, 10, it would equate 10, to about 000, a year. Ten thousand hectolitres per year um, facility aimed to make, assuming that they've got this right, um, aimed to make limited edition versions of beer already brewed on a commercial scale under the Grimbergen name. So this is basically Carlsberg trying to put a veneer of authenticity over a beer that they've been. Um, brewing under license brewing anyway. for, for some yeah. time. So, you look, any, as always, anything that creates interest in beer um, is to, to be celebrated. But when for you the good s- reasons, yes. For, for the good reasons. When you see that this has gone absolutely wildfire across the media overnight, it is a marketing and PR coup for Carlsberg. Um, when, you know, it, it, it's, this is basically the Carlsberg equivalent of a James Squire brew house. You know, you, you, your core range still comes out of the big house, but then you've just got a couple of little novelty beers um, that get you into the venue or, you know, keep you engaged in the ecosystem. Um, um, so, you know, just pop it in pers- perspective more than anything else. Yeah. Uh, moving on, Matt, uh, semi-sad news. Uh, but sample Brewing enters administration. Uh, the Melbourne-based contract brewing operation Sample Brewing is being offered for sale after the business called in administrators on Tuesday. That's Tuesday a week ago now, the Tuesday of Good Beer Week. Sample is understood to have debts of approximately 300 large with founder and director Vedad Hurik, the largest creditor. We had a bit of a chat about this, standing out, uh, walking down the street after the uh, awards. Mm. Or was it before? Yeah, well, it only broke on Thursday after we recorded the the, the last podcast. Um, it, it it is sad news, and you know, profit. I, I just get this feeling in the market at the moment um, that we have seen one or two closures um, th- th- this year. There are a number of breweries that are up for sale. Most recently, uh, Brooksbeer. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. Li- Melissa and Doug have decided to um, to put their their brewery. And plant and IP and everything up for sale. That's the thing, and that there are oh, there's probably three or four others. Yeah, you know, we've listed one or two, and there are a couple that haven't listed because a lot of businesses list privately, um, and they don't necessarily you know, want to advertise um, who they are. And a, a big part of that is because people start to make assumptions and rumours spread, and, and things like that. Um, so they don't want to scare the horses. Yeah, yeah. and and yeah, you know, whilst uh, um, Doug Brook um, speaking to Claire. Um, uh, for a story yesterday, um, was putting a very you know, positive face on it. You know, we've taken it. You know, we've done it. We've got other opportunities. Um, you know, we want somebody with more energy. There was just that little bit of undercurrent of um, that you, you it's, need. It's a tough gig. It's a tough gig, and you, you know, I, I, actually, some of the um, Gabs podcast, I talked about it with a couple of uh, people. And I talked about you know a lot of breweries go into. Um, open, undercapitalized, and you, know, you don't have that financial capital to, to really fund um, your, your operations and grow. 
And then I also talked about an emotional or an enthusiasm capital um, that, that is also a, you know, a bank that breweries have. And if you can keep that enthusiasm and the passion topped up, then you know, all of the challenges that you face and the exhaustion that comes um, is fueled by drawing down on that enthusiasm um, capital. But when that, runs, when that runs out, you're basically doing a really hard job for not for very little cash, yeah. Um, well, potentially, yeah, and, but for potentially, you know, subsistence income, um, and you're not seeing yourself get ahead. Probably not surprising that Sample, you know, it was one of those brands. It went big, had a very um, that they'd invested in brand. They've got a apparently they're they're a brand that's you know anything up to a million liters. Um, they've got 500 outlets. They're ranged in all of the big venues. Um, their turnover was 2.6, 2.7 million a year. So they were just hitting a couple of scale milestones. Um, and in the scheme of things, a $300,000 debt, um, and we haven't seen how that debt's structured. And you know, probably there's a, a share of that going to the ATO based on other um, liquidations that we've seen or other administrations we've seen. So in the scheme of things, it's not a huge debt. And I think it's just, uh, you know, um, a, a group of business people that saw an opportunity, um, you know, entered it, and are basically cutting their losses um, and hoping for a sale. Yeah, and Matt, you touched on an interesting and surprising fact. I spoke to quite a few brewers when the uh, who brought up the fact that Sample was selling. They were the the various number. I said to them, uh, just out of interest, how much do you, you know? What what do you reckon their revenues were? And most of them were, were sort of far below the two point six, two point seven million that you just quoted. Uh, they were quite surprised to hear that they were pumping out that much, that, that sort of volume in revenue terms. Does that make it a, a valuable acquisition at a fairly bargain basement price for somebody who's looking to perhaps add a, you know, a contract brand or absorb the brand into their, their own range, knowing that they can, they've now got a, an entry into BWS and Uncle Dan's and well, First the, Choice? The, the administrators are running the business. It's a going concern. And you know, I guess there is a lot of excess capacity. We've seen a lot of breweries that have been advertising for um, contract, you know, that they've, they've expanded, they've got excess capacity for the time being, and they're advertising. And I guess if you've got a pipeline that you fit that like, like this, that you can just sort of service that pipeline, um, you know, and as almost as a second home brand or a contract brand to your existing um, proprietary brand. Um, to take in some of that volume, um, you know, I, I would imagine that there would be some, if, if you picked it up at a pretty good price, um, you, you're not buying a brewery, you're not buying, you're just buying a, a, a brand with some turnover. Um, maybe that's that, that, that's a market, somebody who wants to um, get into the industry with, uh, you know, the hard work already done. I don't, you yeah. know, you, you, you never really know profits. It, it's one of those things that there's a lot of talk in the industry at the moment about, what the fundamental values are of of, of breweries and brewery businesses. Uh, you know, we've obviously seen the Bucket Boys, uh, you know, and they've reached over three hundred thousand um, dollars of their target. You know, they, they've reached their two hundred thousand dollar target. They've apparently got three hundred thousand dollars raised um, on a valuation of ten million dollars. Now, I, I I really struggle to see how you value a business. Um, at ten million dollars, you know, Bucket Boys is a is a very strong brand. They obviously have a a, a loyal um, group, you know, a loyal group of customers. But if you look at the business classifieds in Sydney, you can buy an, a bottle shop outright with turnover of slightly less than Bucket Boys is currently turning over. You know, you can buy the whole business for four hundred thousand dollars. Um, so ten million dollars is 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 a a fair whack, you know. So so it's multiples, many higher multiples than what regular businesses trade at. And what's driving that uh, multiple hype, passion, those sorts of things? What are they worth in the long term? I don't know. You know, it, it, it's it's a really hard thing to to determine value at the moment. I think. Lucky we're not into the deep dive yet. Hey, listen, Matt, the couple of things came out of sample. You and I discussed this, and I'd be interested to hear what the listeners think. My biggest problem with uh, Sample, I guess, as a as a brand, was that to me, Sample indicates, oh, good, I don't have to tape my hand out of my pocket and it's a free sample. <laughs> put it in my wallet. Yeah, I think of Sample as, as something free. The other thing was um, the labelling, I guess, was it was base basic to to say the least. It was literally a you know a white can or a white label with the word Sample in large black font, um, and that's casting no aspersions on the. Um, 
on the on the branding. Although I can't help thinking that if they'd phoned one three hundred eight five two two three five to discover a more efficient <laughs> way to get their small batch canning labels done, then perhaps they wouldn't be in the situation they're in. If they'd called um, Rellings Labels and Stickers, and thank you very much to Shane Despritzer who just popped my bubble completely. And yes, I got the one. I said one eight hundred. You know when I was trying to do the live read out of uh, last week. Yes, yeah, I, I thought you did very well, Prof. Because so you're, just you're my memory again. man. One three hundred eight five two two three five. I reckon if I listen back, I got most of the numbers right. If not, I know I said one eight hundred, but anyway, um, Rellings labels and stickers, and we do thank them for supporting us, Matt. On a positive note, let's finish the um, the quick little bit before we get into our regular segments. Stone update and Brewdog update. Um, the AIBA winners were announced on Thursday night in Melbourne, and what a lovely night it was. Terrific night. Um, <laughs> very challenging for somebody with uh, one good ear. But uh, no, look, I, I, I thought the uh, uh, AIBA um, organisers did a terrific job. You know, it, it's it, mate, it's a bloody hard gig for whoever's presenting, um, but it's just yeah, very, very hard to... You require a lot of sponsors um, to be involved. There are a lot of people to thank, and you've got 850 people who are celebrating... And those celebrations are also augmented by closer to a thousand, closer to a thousand, Matt. Wow! And, and so they're in a room, nine, yeah, nine hundred all in there, and the room looked sensational. So well done to Victoria Robinson, um, to all of the guys at the uh, AIBAs and the and the RASV, I should say, who uh, made the room just look sensational. It was it, it was it outdone themselves. It looked really good. Terrific, yeah. So uh, and, and look, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a challenge. Um, to get the awards done, get all of the people thanked, um, and you know, keep it all moving when people are responsibly consuming alcohol, um, and just getting that little bit of a you know lift where their voices get a little bit louder and their um, judgment a little bit lower. Yeah, they're, 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 <laughs> um, you know, no one can hear me. Um, no, you know, it's okay if I talk to the person beside me because uh, no one will hear me. But when you've got a thousand people doing it, it, it's a pretty hard gig. It is, and as I found out last year. Yes, they made quite a few changes from things like the uh, putting the stage in the centre as a sort of a, an, an, in, an in the round, a little bit more sort of informal, casual sort of, you know, so the presenter uh, did a sort of a, a walk around uh, kind of thing. I noticed after about five minutes they decided, no, let's get rid of the, the lectern because nobody's going to use that. <laughs> um, it was it was just getting in the way, so the roadie came in, out that went. Going back to the, the way they have done it in the past where you belt out a couple of awards in between entree and main and then the rest of the awards after uh i did think that they had set themselves a bar way too high when they announced that at the beginning only one person from each brewery shall be allowed on stage to accept i said i thought good luck with that yeah i don't don't, (laughs) and i don't know what that was about because i don't think it slows slows it down and it really adds to the um celebration of, of the night yeah well because having to it narrows it down then to one representative of your brewery who, who then to, to those who don't know is kind of the person behind that beer whereas often it's you know it's, it's the uh, the assistant brewer or the it's the you know it's, it's the team effort yeah and the celebrations really don't slow the slow the evening down um no i don't think no no um and i just won't single anybody out in particular except for muzzin hudger who wore the um the Lebanese tuxedo beautifully, I thought. <laughs> this ratty old polo shirt with hawkers on it. At least, look, at least it was branded, I suppose. Actually, just on that, Prof, I do have to say that one of the things I really love about the AIBAs is that it's a fun event, it's relaxed, it doesn't take itself too seriously. But at the same time, it feels like a special event because everybody dresses up. Um, you know, everybody still puts on a shirt and a tie. You, you almost look, everyone dresses up. Well, they're almost everyone. But uh, <laughs> when you look at the, the US um, you know, events, um, it, it looks like a frat party. You know, it, it sort of doesn't have yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's, it seems the, the, the American style is it's more about branding your brewery. So, you know, being up there in your, in your brewery T-shirt or hoodie rather than I am the person from this brewery and here I am in a suit accepting the award yeah and and there are so many uh occasions for that um you know every beer festival every you know everything else in the industry is for that i just think the awards nights are are, are just a nice you know just to lift the 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 tenor a little bit um but you know again that could just be my age (laughs) and being uh honored and very privileged to be one of the judges who was uh nominated to 
taste the trophy round. So that is all of the, the best-in-show trophies were then poured out and we had to select our top five and give uh, points those five, four, three, two, and one to the, the best of the best. And it was speaking to the judges afterwards who, who were involved in that, any of the beers could have taken out the champion Australian and champion international beer. As judges, we don't know which is the locals and which are the internationals, but there was, I think every judge had a different uh, top beer for their, um, for their best. Uh, and big ups to Four Pines Brewing Co, who won the, um, the champion Australian beer award for their Calador Schwarz beer. And it was great to see Alaga take out best national beer. Uh, Alaga took out best beer at the Queensland um, Royal Royal Queensland Food and Wine Show Beer Awards as well. And same with the Indies. It was the mismatch Alaga was their champion beer as well. So there we go. Maybe there's a bit of a shift. And uh, shout out to uh, Adrian uh, Walker and all the others from uh, Firestone Walker for the second year in a row. Oh, no, I think uh, Three Weavers might have picked up the best international beer Last year, but the year before that, I think Firestone Walker did as well. Mate, if, we, uh, if, we, if we've got a shout out for the for, for a two peat, um, how about we call out uh, Green Beacon for their three peat, three years in a row champion uh, medium sized brewery? Yeah, exactly. Back to back to back. And mate, that, all right, look, I have to say that that is a monumental achievement because. Oh, and, even, even without looking at the competition. Yeah. Just, they, the, just what you need to do to get that sort of consistency. Unbelievable. But speaking to like Sam Fuss, who was last year's champion um, uh, gypsy, gypsy brewer, Pro. didn't win a gold this year. Uh, Richard Watkins, who has won trophies and medals all around the world this year, didn't win a gold medal. Um, you know, at, at the AIBAs, um, Ferrell, um, speaking to him at Gabs, didn't uh, win a uh, a medal. And you know, it, it, it's the beer before the judge on the day. Um, can have so many you know, variations. So for Green Beacon to have that level of consistency, you know, that, that level of excellence um, to- In the major trophy category department. Yeah, to, to not only win golds, but to win high golds and trophies um, consistently, consistently is just an, an awesome achievement. No wonder everyone reckons they're gonna be bought out. <laughs> exactly. And uh, and well done, well done too to uh, to Blackmans who picked up the champion Australian small brewery, to Green Beacon the champion medium Australian brewery, and to Bolter for the champion Australian large brewery. Perfect. Now, Matt, one that I don't know if they entered any of their beers, or um, and I'm not sure if they did how they went. Um, both Stone and Brewdog, give us an update. <laughs> Let's start start with Stone. We'll look, get that out of play quickly. Okay. Now, now these I do have to say that we don't go looking for this news. It just sort of comes in the feed. But one, I've been listening to the Brewbound podcast, um, which has Jeff Alworth on. I think uh, as one of the hosts, um, who we often talk about um, as a, as a writer who has a really good grasp of the the US market. But so Brewbound has talked about the, the headline is despite months of rumours to the contrary, Stone Distribution Company is not for sale. Um, and I just flagged that because, again, it highlights something that we've been talking about in, in the US for a while. Um, some of the bigger breweries are pulling back um, or if they've doubled their brewery during the height of the boom are now taking a contract brewery or you know rumours of their, their volumes being down. Um, and now Stone is the latest one. There's been a lot of rumours that they're going to sell off their um, distribution company. Um, they have cut back the the number of SKUs stock keeping units has has cut back and that has of course led to all sorts of um, speculation uh, about the business um, we, we saw them pull out of uh, Germany um, the uh, brewbound podcast talked about whereas stone has always trumpeted the fact that it's stone gardens um, has a unique menu it's not your typical uh, craft brewery taproom fare of burgers and chicken wings. <laughs> They've just launched their new um, menu that is burgers and chicken wings, which is probably, a, I would imagine, a lot less expensive to produce than the menu that they're very, you know, very, very um, aspirational or very, um, you know, forward-thinking menu that they, they did put out. So, yeah, it's just very, very interesting to see um, some of the signs that, 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 that are dotting around about uh, Stone, um, just to sort of keep an eye on them. Um, because there has also been suggestions that they might be um, up for roll up into one of those uh, American craft beer um, roll up uh, you know, 
businesses. So yeah, no, I, I just sort of flag that. It's not specifically about stone. It does shine a light on how things are changing and how uh, quite a few changes now to stones. I guess their base philosophy shows that you know you, you've got to adapt to a to a changing market. In Australia, as as we often say, you know we are behind America, but we catch up very very quickly. And so these are trends that we are going to see. You know, um, we've, we, we have seen an increase in businesses close for a whole lot of reasons. We've seen uh, growth at the biggest end of the market slow down. We've seen uh, amalgamations most recently, uh, Dogfish and Boston Brewing. Do you think, is it your gut feel that we could see something similar with, with Stone and a, a similar sized partner or a, a bigger or smaller to, to create that kind of, uh, I guess a, a, you know, a more stable collaboration. I, I guess, you know, as we know, I don't have a pipeline into the business um, to, to to ask these questions. When you look at what is happening, you heard I heard um, Sam Calagione talk again on the Brewbound podcast earlier in the year, talking about all of the things that they were doing. They'd taken some private equity investment, and it was always uh, his intention to to buy them back. Um, and they were one of the breweries that has managed to continue to grow, keep a strong brand, all of those sorts of things. And yet they still see the future for them is partnering with a a bigger brewery. Um, One of the reasons that the industry became the way that it did before craft beer came along is because of individual breweries can tend to only grow so much without acquisitions or amalgamations to, to give them scale, to give them growth, to give them access to other markets, to round out their um, portfolios. Um, it, it's much harder to start a brand than it is to acquire a brand. Um, so mate, I, I've got no idea about Stone. There is obviously a lot happening over there. We are starting to see rumours um, swirling about, you know, and, and, and things actually points, data points, that, that you can that may be indicators of certain things, but but I I, I don't know um, beyond that. But it, it it's more interesting to see what that means for our local market, as you know. For example, we saw Mornington taken over by Tribe. Um, we've seen Founders First, um, you know, come in and start to work with it. You know, provide capital and you know expertise. Um, and I, you would imagine some synergy between a number of. Um, Australian breweries. I don't think that the big two are going to buy anything, but you know there there are still the smaller um, international players um, who who may be looking to augment their craft brand. And we look forward to um, many more updates, presumably delivered with uh, radical transparency. Speaking of which. <laughs> Uh, who are you going to catch up with this week, Matt, and have a chat? With? <laughs> Mate, funnily enough, I uh, this week I may not be able to get answers out of Stone, but uh, I did get an email during this week from the head of global head of marketing for Brewdog. Um, apparently, Martin Dickey, one of the co-founders, um, who I caught up with last January when they announced the brewery, um, is going to be in town this weekend. Maybe they're just dialing in the brew house. Have you been invited to chat with him? Have have a bit of a chat with him. Have a get a bit of an update. And on and on the record chat, or is it just like a, a room full of people, and we'll just have a bit of an update? Or I, I get the feeling that it's an on the record one on one chat. Um, I've asked whether it's recordable because I'd love to. You know, as, as I think these things are always best. You know, I, I can sit down and ask him exactly the same questions, but when you write them down, you always lose that interplay that makes beer the conversation that we uh, regularly talk about. Um, but I will get to ask him um, a lot of questions. Uh, you know about and, and find out some of the things that I've been raising um, over the last, you know, six eight months uh, about what their plan for Australia is. You know what the holdup has been, why the change of you know venue size, and get get some answers about all of that. And uh, listeners, if you've got any questions that uh, you, you'd like to raise, um, you know, will equity for punks be available in Australia? Amongst other things, um, jump in the, uh, the, the the Facebook group if if you want to uh, share those with us. Now sitting at 199 members, perhaps Martin will become the 200th. Perhaps you could offer him that <laughs> as a special treat to Radio Brews News listeners. And as as you have done so beautifully in the Facebook group, if you do have a question that you'd like Matt to ask, please make sure it's a sensible one. Oh, mate, I, I do have to say that... Because it's working beautifully at the moment. The, the, the level of discussion is 
as we expected. Yeah, no, but but it, 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 it's, it's a really, really valuable uh, discussion. Again, if you listen to the podcast and you don't do Facebook groups, you're not missing out on anything. Um, I actually feel that the value is more to us, Prof, um, than us feeding back value. But it's, you know, and it, 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 it's not like a lot of the, um, the, the big, uh, you know, craft beer, barren lover, Facebook groups um, where they're posting, this is what I'm drinking. It's it's discussion about the about, about the issues and bringing things to our attention. Um, yeah, and, re- and really interesting to see the level of um, uh, knowledgeable engagement that, uh, that our members are, are providing, whether it's starting off a, you know, hey, guys, I've seen this, what do you think, or responding to one of those. I think it's been it's been really terrific and, and quite heartwarming. Uh, Matt, I'm just getting in my ear. Uh, producer is just letting us know uh, we have a, a, a caller online. Go ahead, please. You're talking to Matt and Pete. Hello, mate. How are you going? Owen Johnson, welcome to uh, Brews Newsweek. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, absolutely our pleasure and uh, it, it's that time of the year again when we do the uh, the, the Clarence Speaks annual hop report which uh, you know, is probably getting a little bit old showing our weights there prof but we, we are, we're talking about the, uh, the the numbers for uh, this year's HPA uh, harvest. Yes it's a bit like uh, a, a very much a standing calendar uh, we like to uh, we like to share our uh, crop results as far and as widely as people are willing to listen. And it's a it's an annual date that, that we have on our calendar but uh, mate oh one of the things, that, uh, actually, before we go into digging a little bit deeper, maybe you can just tell us um, the, the headline figures from HPA's point of view. You know, what, what's what's uh, HPA's feeling about the 2019 harvest? I think we've we've uh, we've got we've got a, a great result. Um, you know, the headline is 13 uh, percent increase in production year on year, um, and uh, and the subtext to that is galaxies up and that we are going to fulfil all of our contractual obligations. So as far as, you know, um, coming good on your promises to brewers out there about supply, um, you know, our contracts are our word, they're our promise, and um, we are filling all of our promises this year, which is really (laughs) pleasing and probably the priority. (laughs) Funnily, that line leapt out to me because I thought, you know, the the point of a contract is that it's a guarantee, and uh, there was just that little note of relief in the in, in in the the media release of saying, well, yeah, we actually are able to um, meet all of those contracts with the the volume of the harvest. Yes, and you know, and it's not it's not every year that we um, that we can uh, we can say that. Um, unfortunately, like as best as we as best as we try to execute the things that we're in control of, it is still an agricultural product. Um, it's really important for us to meet our contractual obligations. It's, it underpins how we conduct our business, and. Um, uh, you know whether it's uh, a hailstorm in in 2016 that took out something like 40% of the Vic Secret crop, or um, or uh, you know Cascade uh, having a having a bit of a nightmare last year. You know there's there's all sorts of uh, texture behind it, <laughs> but this year we're um, we're really pleased with the result. Digging a little bit deeper, the standout figure for me, and it also makes me realise how long Prof and I've been doing this podcast. Um, Looking at the yield for Galaxy, 822 metric tons, um, an increase of 8.6%, and it is four times almost uh, the, the the yield of your next biggest, which was Vic Secret, which I don't think was even in production when we first spoke to you about Hop Harvest uh, close to eight years ago. <laughs> um, Galaxy was just like the little engine that could even back then, and now it is this mega um, hop variety. Oh, I still remember Galaxy when it was just a number, OJ. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right, yes. But I, I think, I'm pretty sure I remember when it was just 12 metric tonnes. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you're going back uh, toward 20, uh, 2009. That would that be when we started the podcast, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So your recollections are correct. And yeah, like, gee, the little engine that could has done a, done a fantastic job and... Um, you know, not, no, no, it's not, uh, I would say it's not through, you know, um, uh, anything around good luck. It's about performance in beer and, and, uh, brewers have continued to embrace it. And we've been, we've been scrambling to keep up with, with adoption of galaxy in beers, um, you know, since 2009, 822 tons is a fantastic result. It's more, uh, more galaxy than we've ever produced before, which is, um, really pleasing but um but uh, to stay humble about that number yes it's a big number uh, it's going to make a lot of beer which is fantastic but um you know compared to the other 
huge crops in the world. You know, we're still 1% or thereabouts of the world's production in total. That's not just Galaxy. Um, so, you know, even um, you know, in comparison to single varieties out of the US, Mosaic, Citra, um, Cascade, you know, the size of the SARS crop in Europe, you know, Galaxy is still uh, a very, very humble little crop. But for our purposes, OJ, it's it's the the, the hop de jour, it's the, the hero hop. Of that 822 metric tonnes from this year's harvest, what percentage roughly will will head overseas? Uh, look, back of the envelope, it's about uh, it's about 55% will go overseas. The remainder is into um, HPA's relationships direct with brewers um, in here in Australia and, and New Zealand in particular. Um, and you know that still constitutes quite a quite a sizable chunk. It's it's you know when we look at the marketplaces around the world, Australia and our home base here is is our strongest performing market, absolutely undeniably. Yeah, but are there any other hops, for example, that would uh, be as popular with overseas brewers as what Galaxy is? Well, <laughs> of our stable, um, probably not. I think you'd have to say the Galaxy is definitely the uh, the shining light. Um, the interestingly, the uh, the Brewers Association published some information recently about um, their hop uh, their sort of hop industry analysis and. Um, Galaxy uh, for the second year running came up as the, uh, the most frequently cited um, hop that they would like to have more of and didn't have enough of. Yeah, and that's in that's in a global setting. You know, that's in the context of all the hops they can get. So it's uh, yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty compelling, and it and it definitely underpins why we're spending another thirty five million dollars uh, going forward. You know, increasing production again by fifty percent um, over the next few years. And, and, and we'll come to the expansion because that's, that's a, a great result um, for the industry. But just looking at Galaxy, I guess we have seen explosive growth is, is the way that I describe it. As I said, in 10 years, it's multiplied many, many times um, in terms of uh, yield um, and, and, and amount that you've, uh, you, you're growing. But at the same time, I get the sense that it's not a flash in the pan. As you said, it's, it's a great brewing hop. Quite apart from the the, the use of the you know the the, the very tropical passion fruit um, aromas with it, it just sounds like it's a great hop for brewers to use. And do you have any concern that that yeah you know, that it might be that we, we might sort of see it lose favour for for the next big thing? I guess the secrets to success for a for a hop, um, you know, from my from my point of view and my understanding of what it takes is um, it, it has to be different enough it has to a it has to perform in beer you know that's that's your entry point it really needs to give you some bang for buck um no one's pretending that it's cheap but it gives you it gives you the impact in beer that you're looking for it, it also does what it says on the label and has a really clear and identifiable flavor it's different from others and yet it still sits in that um sort of citrus fruit forward space which is sort of well characterized as the highest um consumer preference place now Looking into the crystal ball and seeing whether there's any risk around um, Galaxy, uh, the flavour profile of Galaxy becoming um, less less fashionable. Don't know, don't know. Um, certainly, that citrus um, profile is 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 a very long run consumer verified preference. Uh, I don't, I wouldn't claim that Galaxy is going to be the favourite hop forever. Um, but but in terms of pinning down. Um, a horizon or a life cycle for a hop like Galaxy. I, I really, you know, gee, if you know, if you can, if you can give me the answer to that, I'll, I'll eagerly listen. But you, you, you've got a couple that are coming up behind it. Uh, if if uh, it does fall out of favour, Vic Secret up ten percent to two hundred and twenty-five uh, metric tons. Uh, Enigma one hundred twenty-five percent growth up to ninety uh, metric tons. What, what, what's driving their success? Do you think, or their growth? Yeah, well, you know, and and there's a there's a couple of uh, there's a couple of great examples there. Both of those hops um, deliver impact in beer, and they are different. Uh, Vic Secret is um, really um, really starting to find some popularity, and I think what we've what we've been addressing with uh, with Vic is um, you know access and, and introduction to people. Uh, because it, it is still quite a new hop. I think it was released, if memory serves me correctly, it was, it was only released in 2014 or 15 itself, uh, maybe 14. And, 
you know, in that sense, it's still brand new and a lot of brewers um, just haven't seen it, haven't had the experience, um, you know, through their home brewing beginnings and brewing with it for a long time and understanding how it performs. So we've really been trying to address um, access and, and, and brewer introductions on that variety. Enigma is the same. It's a much smaller crop um, and, uh, you know, really pleasing result. It's up significantly um, in acreage as well as actual yield per, per acre. So we've uh, we sort of compounded our wins on Enigma this year, which is which is in that 125% year-on-year growth. Um, you know, Enigma's success is its difference. Um, it's, it is it is somewhat more subtle than than something like Galaxy or Vic, but um, it stands it stands apart really effectively. And uh, where we've introduced this. Uh, this hop, it's it's really had some great adoption. Just to put it into perspective for our listeners, um, Galaxy 822 uh, metric tonnes cascade, which also saw a 67% increase, 57 metric tonnes. Um, and and it, it was, you know, again, going back uh, just 10 years, um, it was one of the major craft hops um, that, that you were producing from memory. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, cascade uh, has actually been going up in our, um, you know, overall production, um, this this result's actually just been dominated by by just a great season for Cascade. The uh, those two those two varieties, Enigma and Cascade, are our first two varieties off in the harvest window, and it looked like the growing season really suited those early varieties. Um, Cascade is all yield to come off a, a low year last year and a great year this year off a fixed acre acreage base. So. What you're seeing there is um, is the difference between a, a you know a less than average year and a better than average year. Um, and uh, you know hops are a funny old thing. I, I sort of think that if they have a great year in terms of the growing season and yield, most of the time the quality's up. And I'm really looking forward to seeing probably probably Enigma the most, um, but certainly uh, when our when our Tassie growing Cascade is is up and about like it is in 2019. Um, geez, it tastes good. So, AJ, let's let's look at the investment um, that you've got uh, that, that you're putting in. The yield increases are, are a result of a twenty million dollar investment. I think, from memory, primarily in the, the Buffalo Valley, and you've got a thirty-five million dollar project uh, which will include an additional three hundred hectares um, in, in the Buffalo Valley. Are we going to see more uh, investment in Tassie, or have you just got nowhere else to go? Uh, look, we do have some options in Tassie, but they're not, they're not, uh, how would you say it? They're not like a doubling of acreage or anything like that. The really sizable chunks of land that are available to us, um, and, and, and fit the bill to be great hop growing land. They're, uh, around, around your and the existing Ross Trevor hop farm and, uh, and out in the Buffalo river Valley, uh, lots of ex tobacco land out there. Um, great river flats, just, just classic, um, yeah, classic classic land that actually a lot of it has not seen hop production before, which is also quite a um, quite an exciting proposition. So that that project from 2014 uh, through to 2017 that that actually that doubled production. That was a hundred percent increase in production in that period of time. Not all of that was up in Victoria. This um, this investment is, as you say, is going to be focused in the in the Buffalo. Um, you know, comprising a 300 hectare presence there by uh, fully functional, fully productive by the end of 2025, that'll that'll effectively double our um, acreage there in Victoria, which is which is super exciting. And you know, they are these are pretty regional um, areas, and and to see those beautiful valleys filled with uh, you know the, the luscious green canopy of a hop field is is going to be super exciting. I can't wait to see it. OJ, perhaps finishing on a, um, a comparative note and, and hopefully a very positive one. Let's go back and say this whole craft beer thing hadn't quite taken off. Would this sort of would we have seen this sort of expansion with, uh, you know, Pride of Ringwood or Super Pride? How would how would things have looked had it not been for you know this thing this great thing that we call craft? Oh, look, I think I can be pretty frank about that. Um, the the prospects of the Australian industry um, presenting alpha in a global market as a as a as a commodity were were pretty grim. They're pretty bleak. And um, to managing director Tim Lord's credit, he um, he basically took that 
took that leap of faith on the craft um, wave on the on you know in this fashion this trend this fad that had no proof behind it you know <laughs> and uh, started to started to really back some of these new varieties and you know we had uh, this really long run breeding program with some awesome hops in it um, to our good fortune we had these varieties up our sleeve um, it was a matter of taste and the, the the condition of the market and and us having the uh the fortitude to go ahead and back them and, and spend the money to plant up and and present them to brewers and you know gee i think the results speak for itself and and uh the iba presented some figures there during good beer week about the growth of uh, craft here in australia still still pegging 25 percent volume increase year on year um that's just fabulous isn't that just Super, super news, great news for drinkers, um, great news for modern hop farmers like ourselves. Yeah, and these sort of results, along with, um, I guess, you know, the the other side, the other main ingredient being the, the barley, just shows, A, how agricultural a product beer is, where we've kind of been tricked into thinking it's, a, it's an industrial, you know, factory-made product, uh, but also just how, you know, so how important that is to the, to the beer side of things, but also how important it is, I guess, to support local. Yeah, you're absolutely spot on. The um, the impact of agriculture in in Australian in the Australian beer manufacturing scene just is undeniable. And um, you know, I'm lucky enough to exist in a space where I get to talk to brewers every day and try and fit that you know sort of work on that understanding of of how agriculture and and beer making um, have to interface. And you know, sometimes it's a bit of a tough <laughs> tough conversation, but really uh, people in in my experience love it they really dig the the agricultural input and um and are excited like you know on, on farm during harvest people are super excited it's a real experience for people who haven't been to a hop farm before the outlook for us on farm is really really positive we just uh we just see we see increasing engagement and and value people valuing what we do and, and understanding and valuing the agricultural inputs uh you know malt malt perhaps is um the next frontier can the maltsters present unique and differentiated flavors can brewers embrace them and, and harness them and make make a whole suite of different tasting beers for consumers to get their teeth into yeah and i think that really nails it on the head ojo it's it's just it's a really exciting time to be uh, investing in flavor and and looking at uh, i guess taking our taste buds to new and interesting places yeah absolutely and you know i'd say um Big props for the brewers out there, um, especially on the back of the AIBA results recently. Um, it's a celebration of great Australian beers. You know, gee, there are some fabulous brewers in the country making some outstanding beers, and we're super stoked to be involved, um, you know, in how we can presenting choice and variety and hop flavour to them to then go and harness and, and, and modify and manufacture and, and use their art and science to create these awesome beers. Um, I love being a beer drinker in Australia at the moment. <laughs> it's a good time to be alive. Better to be well, a beer OJ, drinker than a backyard brewing, OJ? Well, mate, uh, gee, you're asking me about uh, you know apples and pears there. I love, uh, <laughs> I love, I've always loved drinking beer. I really enjoy making beer, um, and I really love where I where I sit at the moment talking to brewers about my favourite topic every day. Excellent. <laughs> well, OJ, those 300 additional hectares are not going to plant themselves, so we're going to let you <laughs> off the phone, jump on the tractor, and. Got a Got a few things to do. I better go and fire up the tractor. That's it, mate. Uh, OJ, thanks very much for uh, joining us with the uh, what has become one of our favourite segments, the uh, the annual Hop Crop Report. Thanks for having me, guys, and thanks for your support. And uh, and uh, keep on drinking great beers. Cheers, mate. Prof, mate, that's always like I, I love the uh, the Hop Report time of year. Um, always great to chat to OJ and find out. And you know it's. It's one of those times I feel really, really excited about the industry when you see, you know, 55 million investment. Um, we've been doing this for a while, but to see the the value that is being unlocked in Galaxy and the other hops, but just the investment, um, and it is just it's just such a good story for um, the, you know a small state like Tassie in the regional areas of Victoria. 
Exactly. And it's also too, Matt, it really strikes me that it's a little bit like that hop harvest, a little bit like Christmas for brewers. It's that one time of the year when I think we're genuinely getting more and more excited. And it reminds me a little bit of, um, you know, uh, veganism or vegans. You know how you can tell a vegan. It's a little bit like the same thing with brewers. You know, how do you know if a brewer's been to the to the hop harvest? Because they'll, they'll tell, tell you about it. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it's great because it, it really picked up. It really, uh, I guess, plucked at the heartstrings when I, I it made me realise that so many pictures in the in my Facebook feed were coming up of brewers uh, checking out the the hops, visiting the the hops just before the the harvest. It really does just literally, pardon the pun, but it plants um, that feeling you know, that feel good feeling that mm. it is an agricultural product and it's it's so much of i guess what australia is about you know living off the land it's one of those things we keep coming back to you know you celebrate independence you talk about what is craft and you know bash the, the big guys none of which is actually things that you and i wholeheartedly um believe in you know that there is a reason big brewers are big brewers they serve uh, a role in 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 the brewing ecosystem but when you hear oj yep. talking about if it wasn't for the growth of craft beer and the growth of craft beer was driven by small, scrappy players having a go when there weren't established markets for the product. Um, and then you see the value that has been added as a result of that growth of um, value from, from the brewing side. You realise why a really dynamic uh, brewing industry, uh, however you want to put your definitions around it, is vital. Yeah, and if you if you look at that last like, like seven years or so, we've had fifty million dollars invested, and then thirty five million dollars, eighty five million dollars invested. That's just by one company in one product. And you think of the flow on effects of, of of employment, of economic growth, export markets, all those sorts of things. Mm. It's just a it just blows the mind. And and it's it, it's something that we can capitalise on our you know Tasmanian and you know our Australian image as being clean and green. They're proprietary hops, and there's a bit of a discussion about whether proprietary hops are a good or a bad thing. But these guys develop the hop, um, you know, and, and they're bringing in export dollars. Um, yeah, it's just it's just very exciting. And we, we talked about it off mic, so we didn't capture it for the chat. But I was down in uh, Devonport yesterday visiting the Joe White Maltings, and you, you walk in, and it's a 1960s, you know, in brutal industrial building that has its own certain charm. But then next door to it, there's a big factory and uh, I was speaking to Dave uh, bald about it and he says oh yeah that used to be the Ovaltine factory um, and it closed down and so this malting's closed down and it was only when um, the I think it was James Bogues needed a malt supplier locally that it reopened and you realize that it's the local production business that has this whole ecosystem around it and so when the Ovaltine factory closes because they're moving production or consolidating production on the mainland to the mainland yeah you lose your maltings as well and you lose the jobs that are part of that and you know and yeah so so there's, there's this whole flow on that as consumers sometimes we feel powerless and it's a little bit the same as we feel at you know the ballot box it's just my one vote but you know all of these votes do um go a certain way and every time you yep. make a purchase and make a decision uh, uh, you're making a decision about the future of the beer industry and also um, some of these local economies and yet again another reason if any of our listeners needed one to drink fresh drink local and drink independent we, we did have a couple of other um stories in the mailbag but uh <laughs> we, we're coming up to an hour would you like to hold them over let's let's hold them over we, we might right. hold them over um and we'll just do a so quick... next 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 week we'll talk about australia's ultimate top 50 beers and we'll also uh, have a look at um how to win untapped or any other online beer rating remind us viewers uh, listeners to hold that over until next week adam gall um who posted this great photo into the discussion uh follow us on untapped what if beer could rate us i think that went won the internet yesterday uh who yeah, he shared it with us but it was somebody else's uh um instagram or facebook post and uh that was classic so we'll hold all of that over the one thing i will um touch on though prof is even though we are bringing this to uh close um, because we had a long chat with oj um i do want to say veil the cook limit at good beer week uh gabs ran into a couple of listeners who, who were gracious enough to say prof that they've been listening to the podcast for some time and we've talked them out of opening a brewery they're enthusiastic <laughs> home, home brewers and they think and i wasn't sure whether, yeah whether whether to take that 
<laughs> with the uh, good grace that it was delivered or, or kind of feel a little bit bad? No, look, it, it, you know, I don't want to talk anybody out of opening a brewery, but as um, there, there was a post on the on, on the Facebook group, you know, almost, you know, we don't like um, novel, you know, the, the, the Gabs beers. And, and that's probably not true. The, I, I chipped in and said, look, it's not that I don't like Gabs beers. They are really important for the excitement and the vibrancy of the industry. But I don't like hype and I don't like blowing them out of proportion and inflating their value to the you know, expense of classic beers and you know, classic styles or thinking that it's, you know, the, the brewers who are making milkshake IPAs have revolutionized the, the, the business because all they've done is made their flares wider, the, the, the flanges on the back of their 56 Buick um, sharper and edgier. It, it, it's part of a trend and we just try and put that in perspective and same thing with the excitement around the, the hype of the industry it is a tough industry if you love brewing and drinking beer it doesn't mean you have to you know it, if you love drinking milk you don't have to buy a cow um, no that's it and so uh so the name of this episode and now vale listeners, listeners can correct us if wrong see i would say valet oh, valet the cook limit because yeah the, the other feedback limit. that we're getting is Look, we're constantly getting new listeners to the podcast. They don't really understand what the cook limit is. They think it's Greg Cook. Um, but uh, And also, they don't want to see a set time limit. They want the discussions. They don't want us to waffle. They want the uh, discussions to take what they need um, and, and not set yes. an arbitrary limit. So, uh, yep. yeah. So and, and apropos of that, Matt, I'm going to give a shout out to Stuart, who's one of the uh, ale stars at the local tap house in St Kilda, who popped into one of my craft beer college sessions and did uh, ask about the cook limit and also just uh before we wrap up our, our good beer week episode i'm going to give a shout out to a young bloke called anthony who came up to me at brewers and chewers and said mate really really enjoying it it's it's, it's just terrific and i said oh mate thanks for that yeah look brewers and chewers is something that uh, we've been doing every year for good beer week uh, since the the second one i think uh, the, yeah since the second one and look it's just he goes no no no, i meant the podcast <laughs> Which I sort of I felt really good and a little bit embarrassed about, but so uh, so thank you to him. And um, I'm going to give a shout out to Russell, who uh, bumped into you and I and his mate, whose name I can't remember, uh, Bubble Bath Beer. I think that they were one of the guys that we were thankful that we talked out of. Yes, so so that, that was it. Uh, Craft Brewery College. Yeah. Um, yep. I was exhausted at that stage, so I didn't take in their names. Um, so that's why I've got you to remind me of these things. Happy to help out. And uh, a quick uh, shout out to uh, Anthony and Beck from uh, Indie Beer Hub, who I accidentally bumped into, I reckon, six times during Good Beer Week. It was just one of those, you know, revolving doors sort of things. We go, oh, fancy meeting you here again. Just totally out of context. So I said I'd give them a, a shout out as well. They are lovely, lovely beer people. And one other shout out while I'm uh, while we're on the shout out train. Um, Wayne it. in Canberra, who sent us an email during the week because we told him we'd get back. He, he seems to constantly be bumped from having his letter read. Um, but he was, oh, whoops. yeah, no, um, so we, we parked it and then didn't get back to it. Um, but then oh. he's emailed us this week and Joe's put it in the show notes and then we're already at sort of a, sitting at well over an hour. So, um, Wayne, we do promise Joe, um, throw this in next make week's us, show notes. Make us do it. Make this, us do it. This will be the number one story <laughs> next week. That's it. So that's it. Uh, and also, uh, very good thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, who this week will be giving, even though we didn't get to read out mailbag, we'll be sending a six-pack to Daniel Ridd uh, for catching out my good self, giving the wrong phone number for Rallings. Um, so Daniel phoned in, uh, sent in a, a, a message, 1-800-825-325. That might not be right. Peter Mitchum, you're correct, Pete. It wasn't right. One three hundred eight five two two three five is the correct number for Rellings labels and stickers. And thanks to the Beer Cartel, we'll send Daniel a six pack. I did. I was right too. So looking at it on the page now, I got all the numbers right except for the one eight hundred. Yeah, they're just in the wrong order. Mate, you're a better man than me. Which wasn't bad. Halfway through Good Beer Week, to with no notes to get all the numbers right at least. Give us a break. Jeez, you're hard to please, you people. <laughs> um, thank you very much. Uh, look, if you do want to join the Facebook group. The question that needs to be answered, the answer is soapbox. Soapbox. And we've so also added in. a second question uh, because, again, I've been a little bit overwhelmed by how many people join. I'm not sure. You know, we weren't sure how many people were listeners and how many just sort of found it and wanted to join the they, – they just join Facebook discussion groups. Um, so we have added a second question, how did you learn from us? Just because we're, we're genuinely interested. It's not it's not a secret club or anything like that. No, All but we do, we do, yeah, it is important, I guess, for us that you answer at least one of the questions so that we know you haven't just sort of been bombarded with us as, as spam and then sort of invited to join 
the group that you you do have a genuine interest because look you don't have to look at it every day uh it, it's not going to pop up a, a truckload in your in your feed but it's more so that we can you know well today is not a good example but so that we so that we if we do happen to go over the hour we don't we continue that on in the in the facebook group so listeners thanks very much matt thank you very much uh for joining us again and making this podcast what it has become that's that's the bit where you say Thanks, Prof. Lovely to speak to you. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, no, th- thanks, Prof. Lovely to speak to you. Talk to you next week. And it's uh, made yeah, it great yeah, to see done. you and Zoe in Melbourne last week. We really need to do more of that. It was. It was a lot of fun. And thank you very much. As always, the most important people who make this podcast possible is it's we're just the mouth, but you guys who are the ears um, really make it all worthwhile. So thank you very much to you guys. And we'll catch you all again for next week's episode. And we are out. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show, either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of Australian craft beer. When Brews News cast and crew are buying online, we buy at Beer Cartel. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because beer is a conversation. Beer.